as I start out this morning, um, first of all, I, I got to tell you, last night, not last night, last Sunday night, I'm laying in bed after Sunday's all done. And, uh, you know, like we do, we kind of review the events of the day. And I'm laying there in bed and I'm thinking about the Sunday morning message. And all of a sudden I realized I missed it. <laughs> I realized I missed it. You ever do that? I mean, you're thinking about a situation that happened and you realize that there was an opportunity and you missed it. And I, I really felt like last Sunday I missed the punchline. I missed the main thrust. Uh, like instead of talking about diving into the water, um, I went back and I put the emphasis on the diving board. So if it's okay with you this morning, I'm going to do a do-over. No, I'm not going to preach the same message, but I'm going to change the emphasis on the scripture from last week. And uh, if you'll give me permission, well, even if you don't, I'm going to do it anyway. So <laughs> here we go. Um, go ahead and, and turn to the same uh, scripture, John chapter 1, beginning at verse 35. You have your Bible handy. And here's what it says. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus and he walked by and he said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and you will see. That's where we want to go this morning. Uh, last week, we looked at Jesus's mic drop question. What are you seeking? And yes, absolutely, I believe that that is a critical question uh, for you and I. We, we have to determine in our heart, why are we coming to Jesus? Because that's going to determine the kind of relationship with him that we have, the quality of that relationship, the quality of our Christian life. So yes, that is a very important, critical question. But that's the diving board. That's the diving board. Because when these disciples answer that question and they say, Rabbi, where are you staying? They're, they're saying, we are here to enter into that discipleship relationship. We are here to, to put aside where we've been, what our old plans were, everything else. We are here to put our lives in your hands, to learn from you, to be mentored by you, to, to learn about life from you, and to be like you okay so so that is their answer to him and jesus turning around getting that answer he says come and see when they say where are you staying he said come and see and that is the point of all this that is the invitation that god has been given since uh the fall of man that God has been speaking to every human being, to every human heart, and we see it all throughout the scriptures. For example, Genesis uh, chapter 1, or excuse me, chapter 12, the Lord says to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. In other words, Abraham, come and see. Come and see. If you will join me, Abraham, 
Come and see what I will do in your life. Same thing with Gideon, uh, the prophet Elisha, Mary, the mother of Jesus, just to name a few. All were called by God to come and see. All were invited into the unknown. All were invited to step out in faith, to take the hand of God and to trust him with their lives. And every single one of them became a part of something that they never could have imagined. Now, a couple things um, that we need to see about all these people, these heroes of the faith, if you will. Uh, first of all, every single one of them was unlikely. Okay, Abraham, he is known as the father of faith, right? He's the father of many nations. He was an aging, childless man living in a country where they worship the moon. Not really the guy that you're going to say, hey, you want to start a whole new thing here, right? Uh, Moses was a stutterer. Uh, he was wanted for murder in Egypt. Not really the guy to pick, right? Uh, Gideon, Judges chapter 6, was hiding in a wine press, uh, threshing out what little wheat he had to keep it from the Midianites. The Midianites had taken over uh, Israel at this point. They were oppressing them. They would go from house to house and place to place, stealing anything they wanted, anytime they wanted. So here is uh, Gideon hiding out in this, in this wine press so they don't see him, trying to get a little wheat together to make some bread. And by his own admission, his clan was the weakest in all of Israel, and he was the least in his clan. Moving on to Elisha, 1 Kings 19. Elisha wasn't a prophet. He was a farmer. When Elijah came to him and threw his cloak over him and called him, he was, Elisha was, was plowing the field with, with, uh, with his oxen, right? An unlikely choice for a prophet. He was not a, a religious guy, right? Uh, Mary, think about Mary, the mother of Jesus, blessed of, uh, among women. Well, who was she? She was an unknown. She was a commoner. Uh, she, she had no position, nothing, right? She was a virgin. And so, again, an unlikely candidate. None of these people was particularly gifted, talented. Nobody was well-positioned, right, uh, beforehand to accomplish something. And uh, I, not one of them said when God came to them, not one of them said, oh, yeah, I, I got that. Yeah, I can do that. Sure. No, every one of them, I'm sure, was thinking to themselves, you talking to me? Are you talking to me? You know, so. Uh, personally, not, not that I am some great preacher or anything, but just for the sake of illustration. I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing. I know me. <laughs> um, I'm basically an introvert who hated being up in front of the class. And I mean, I was kind of fond of uh, throwing out one-liners from the back of the room uh, to get a laugh. But seriously, I am, I, I don't like being in front of the class. I'm very uncomfortable around people I don't know. 
and I'm uncomfortable in situations that I'm not totally prepared for in advance. And then God takes me and calls me into pastoral ministry where I'm always in front of people and I'm always facing things that I have no clue what I'm doing. Um, different crises and stuff that I haven't been before and I have to depend on God. And it's just amazing that God would use someone like me in this situation. Similarly, all of these, these heroes of the faith, not only were they not uh, naturally confident in accepting God's invitation into the unknown, but think about them for a minute. Their invitation for the vast majority of them was, was exciting on one hand and terrifying on the other. Abraham, okay? He may have loved the prospect of, what, you got a promise for me? You're going to give me some land, and I'm going to have this big family, and you're going to make a whole nation out of it? Well, yeah, that's cool. But Abraham came from a family that was pretty well-to-do. He was the firstborn. He was going to be the one to have the double portion of the inheritance. So he put a lot on the line to follow God to a place where God didn't even tell him where he was going right? Uh, Gideon. Remember Gideon and his, his small band that, that had a huge military victory over, over those, uh, uh, the cruel Midianites. Uh, but what would he have to do? He would have to leave this bubble of safety that he had created around himself and, and be exposed. He would have to be vulnerable, right? Kind of like me. I'd have to come out from that safety and be vulnerable in front of people, which I don't like, but here it is. Um, Moses. Moses, if you look at him, he might lead the greatest deliverance, um, bringing the people of Israel out of Egypt. But again, think about him. He has to go back to a country where he's wanted for murder. If that don't give you cause to pause, think about this a little bit. I don't know what does. Uh, Mary, I think we may have mentioned uh, some of this around Christmas time. Mary, uh, blessed among women, right? Becoming the mother of God's own son. What an incredible invitation. What an incredible journey. What an incredible thing for God to call her to. But she stood to lose her fiancé. She stood to live with a reputation that was, and I don't have to get into details here, she's found pregnant out of wedlock, right? And in those days, the, the shunning, um, just that's what her future was going to look like. And if Joseph would have um, decided to publicly charge her with infidelity, uh, she could have been stoned to death. That's why the Bible says he was he was a good guy and he, you know, decided to kind of take care of things quietly. But he could have charged her. She could have been uh, stoned to death by the community. So all of these things, all of these invitations from God came with a risk. Right. There was no money back guarantee. There was not. You have nothing to lose. So order before midnight tonight. Now, five, 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 five. None of that. Right. They had to step out in faith, and yet, even though there was that risk involved, there was something in their heart. 
and said, gee, if, if God's willing to take a chance on me, I'm willing to take a chance on God. There was something in their heart. There was something in that invitation. Here was, was God calling them. And there's something that said, I, I want that. I, I, I want to step into that. I want to take God's hand and go beyond where I could have gone before. They were willing to let go of what is for what could be in God. They were willing to come and see, even though they didn't have all the details. It's kind of like the disciples uh, when they're in the boat in the storm and it's rocking back and forth and, and they're holding on, they're clutching to the only solid thing that they have, their security, they're holding on to that boat. And then they see Jesus walking on the water. Of course, they're scared at first, the Bible says. I think I would be too. And uh, he says, don't be afraid, it's me. And Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out to you on the water. And Jesus gives that same invitation, come, come. So Peter, in his heart, there's an excitement. There, it's Jesus, he's calling, I know who he is, and, and he lets go of his security, his safety, and he, what's he do? He steps out onto the water. He walks on the water, right? And yes, um, for a moment, he took his eyes off the Lord. He looked at the wind and the waves. He looked at the impossibility of, of him, a human being walking on the water, and he begins to sink. Um, but that's another message. There's a whole lot to go along with that. But the end result in that was that Jesus faithfully took his hand and brought him back up on top of things, just like he did with everybody, all those other heroes of the faith. Um, you know, they ran up against the same normal doubts and fears that normal people have, like you and me. Abraham had doubts. Uh, he, he, he thought that when they were traveling, that uh, he would get killed because of uh, Sarah's sake. And so he lied and said he, she was his sister, which was kind of a more stretching of the truth than anything else. But again, he didn't necessarily trust all the way all the time. Um, Gideon with his fleece, you know, three times. You got to prove to me this is you, God. You know, Moses, uh, when did he say? right from the beginning. I, I think you got the wrong guy, God. Uh, I, I don't talk well and, and all this kind of thing. Normal people have normal doubts, have normal fears. And uh, in the end, God takes those normal people and blows their minds with what he wants to do with their lives. And that same invitation, that same invitation comes to every single one of us. I want to show you something that I didn't see myself until a couple of days ago. Um, this is right before the call of Abraham in Genesis 11, beginning of verse 31. It says this, Terah, which is Abraham's father, took Abraham his son and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, 
and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, the son, his son, Abraham's wife. And they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Now, I, I don't think God wastes anything in the Bible. When you, when you look at some of this stuff, uh, you're going to see what I saw. Because what is the land of Canaan? The land of Canaan is the promised land. Now, I'm not reading into this and saying that God had called Abraham's father uh, Terah before he called Abraham. I don't know that. But what I do know is they were on their way into the promised land. They came to Haran. They came to this other place and they stopped. And the Bible says they settled there. There is a place in this calling of God that comes to us into our lives and we get so far and we can stop and we can settle, if you will, for second best, third best, 10th best, instead of going on to what God has for us. Interesting that Terah's name means to turn. It means to delay. It can also mean to wander. So you, you look at that, and here he was on course for something, and he turned. He was on course, but he delayed. And because of that delay, he wandered. He was a wanderer, right? Kind of like when Israel was going to go into the promised land, and they, they saw the, the giants in the land, similar concept, and they were afraid they didn't go in. So what happened? They wandered in the desert for 40 years. Interesting, too, the name Haran means mountainous. Okay, there was a there was a mountain in the way. Um, let me let me try to explain this from a, a personal standpoint. When I when I would, had just been in the Lord just for a couple of months, I was listening to Christian radio many 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 years ago, and on this Christian radio program, the guy was saying. Uh, listen, God doesn't want just part of your life. He wants it all. What you need to do is to open every area of your life, open every door, open every room of your life to the Holy Spirit. Give him everything. And as I'm laying there in bed, um, listening to this, all of a sudden, this mountain grew up in front of me, if you will. This This mountain came and it was like, well, what about my plans? What about my dreams? What about my goals? What about these things that I've been thinking about, you know, for years and years and what I want to do? And, and it was this, this huge mountain, right? And however, as I thought about it, as I thought about Jesus dying on the cross for me, and I thought about how much he loved me, and I knew that he wouldn't steer me wrong, um, all of a sudden, it was like in my mind, I took my whole life and my dreams and my goals, and I tied a big bow up around it, and I said, here you go, God. Here it is. It's all yours. And, uh, well, I just had uh, a, a wonderful, close experience with the Lord that night. Again, that's another message. But um, uh, so I, I know, I know what that mountain is. I know what it is to, um, to, to face that. 
and I'm nobody special uh, in all of this, but it is easy to say, I, I just don't know if I want to, I want to do that yet. I just don't know if I'm ready yet. And in doing that, we can settle. We can we can see the mountain and settle for less than God has for us. We have to understand. Um, the Bible talks about us being fearfully and wonderfully made. God knit us together in the womb. He put a little pinch of this in, a little dab of this, and then. And he, he creates us uniquely for some part of his kingdom. He's, he's got something for us to do that nobody else can do. He's got a life for us that when him and us are walking in oneness together, there is a life that opens up and an impact in the world and something that we will look back on one of these days in heaven and say, that's it, you know. That's why I, that's why I'm here. That's that's what it's all about. And uh, every one of us has the opportunity to step into that life. Jesus turns to each of us individually and he says, how about it? How about it? What do you want to do? Come and see what I want to do in your life. Come and see what I want to do with you. So as we get down to it this morning, is your heart beating in your chest? Is this one of those times where you just you just say, I, I, I know he's calling me to more. And and I've 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 put it off. I, I've withheld, I got a couple of doors, a couple of closets in my heart and in my life, and it's it's like my private area, and I, and I don't want to really open that up, right? It's what's what's your mountain this morning? You'll never, I'll never know what it is to truly live until we open that heart up completely and say, here it is, Lord. It's all yours. It's all yours. All to Jesus. I surrender. Right. Um because he loves us, because he's got a plan for us that's going to blow our minds. So let's bow our heads in prayer this morning. First of all, uh, for those who uh, may be listening and you have not given your life to Jesus, you haven't trusted him as Savior yet, the one who died on the cross for you, the one who took your sin to the cross to get it out of the way, to reconcile you into a relationship with God Almighty, a relationship uh, into this uh, adventure with him, and you haven't taken him up on that, I urge you this morning to open your heart and say, Jesus, I come to you as a sinner, and I give all that to you, Lord, asking for your forgiveness, for your grace, Receive me, Lord, as your own and open that door for me into a whole new life. And maybe this morning you're here and yes, you've trusted. But again, maybe there's a couple of doors, a door or two that, you know, you just haven't opened up to him and given him full reign and, and full opportunity in your heart. And you want to open that door 
Just tell him, Lord, every room, everything is yours. Take me, Lord. Maybe number three, you're here and you say, yeah, I heard God's voice at one point in my life. and I knew he was calling me to something different, but I settled. And that was a long time ago. It's just plain too late for me. Can I remind you this morning of the parable of the vineyard? Where the man went out and he hired some people in the beginning of the day for a certain wage. And then he went out a couple hours later and hired another crew, went out a couple of hours later, hired another crew, went out an hour before quitting, grabbed some more people, put them to work. And the people who had only one hour received the same wage as those who worked all day. There is never a time to say it's too late. There is always time to say, okay, Lord, here I am. I'm 90 years old, but here I am, Lord. I want everything that you have for me. Here's my heart. Here's my life. If that's you, tell him. Tell him. There is, there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. The time is now. Today is the day to open our hearts. Lord, here we are. We know that you made us and you made us for yourself and you made us for a life, Lord, beyond what we could imagine. As those other heroes of faith, Lord, those normal human beings to experience uh, your, your power and your glory and, uh, and all that went with that, Lord. Fulfilling your plan and purpose for them uniquely. Lord, that's what we want today. So, Lord, we open that door of our heart. We open everything, Lord, and we say, I surrender all. Give it all to you, Lord. I want to come and see what you have for me in my life. And I thank you for it, Lord, and I will expect in the next uh, weeks as I come to prayer, as I open your word, I'm going to expect you to speak to me, Lord, and reveal your plan for me. And I thank you in advance for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And amen.